Welcome to Consulting Mastery, where we help B2B consultants master the business of consulting. I'm Carrie, And I'm Ahmed. Join us as we explore the art of delivering outstanding client value, earning a higher income, and thriving in today's marketplace. Southwest Airlines, famous for a whole bunch of things in the business world. And one of them is that they exclusively only fly one type of plane. And that's a Boeing 737. That's a constraint that they impose on their business. And I don't know why they impose a constraint, but you can see right away that there's tremendous benefits to just flying one type of plane. The planes are all interchangeable. Right? One plane can fly one route and then can fly another route. They can swap planes easily. They only have to train their staff, pilots, etc., on one type of plane, one configuration. Their technicians only need to learn how to actually, you know, fix or work with or troubleshoot a single type of plane. Their business operations are completely streamlined around one type of plane. And I'm sure there are other airlines who thought, well, that's too limiting right? That's too constraining. And we wouldn't be able to grow and do this and do the other and fly different routes. And Southwest said, no, 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 no. We're going to make this our constraint. And we're going to optimize around the efficiency of this constraint. And they've, as we all know, done pretty well. Reason I bring this up is because we had a conversation with some clients this week about constraints. The idea was, we all have constraints. Constraints exist. We don't need to manufacture them. They exist. And either you can view the constraint as an opportunity to optimize around, or you can view it as a handicap, a challenge, a uh, something to overcome and, um, and expand from. That's a choice you make. Yes. And... You know, it's interesting when you say that they exist and you don't need to create them. I actually think creating them is a really important habit to get into. Because taking control of your constraints, a la Southwest Airlines, <laughs> puts you in an entirely different, not just environment, but headspace. And so I think, you know, it's worth talking about the benefit of constraints and what that means in the business of a consultant, but also... Let's just talk about which constraints you allow into your life and into your business. Yeah, and that's interesting. I don't think I even thought about it that way until you said it. There's there's like deliberate self-imposed constraints. And then there's whatever the opposite of that is. You know, non-self-imposed constraints. And I think both have power. I'll give you the example that I shared with our clients earlier this week. This was a a constraint that I felt probably about three to five years ago when we were scaling this business. And back then it was, as you know, it was me and, you know, a couple of part-time freelancer type resources, but I was largely doing sales and marketing fulfillment. And at the time, three to five years ago, I had three young children, let's say five years ago, and they were seven and, and four and a newborn respectively. And the constraint that I had was time. I wasn't willing to burn the midnight oil, so to speak. I wasn't willing to not get home at a reasonable hour. I wasn't willing to put in time in the weekend with the young family. But 
that constraint in and of itself wasn't necessarily the problem. It was the story that I weaved around the constraint. And the story was, I have a young family. How am I going to scale a business? Mm -hmm. People at my life stage who have these kinds of demands on their time, they're not scaling businesses. And what would happen, and that's categorically untrue, right? <laughs> right? But what would happen is I had this belief around the constraint. And so when I would see examples of other people who are not in my life stage, maybe younger, don't have a young family, I go, oh, yeah. They got all the time in the world. Easy of for them. Of course they're growing. I can't do that. Or I see people at a later life stage who have older children who aren't dependent on them as much. Oh, yeah. When I'm there, I'm, when, I, when I was there and when I will be there, oh, yeah, no problem. But at my stage, no, forget about it. Not possible, right? And then I stayed stuck at a certain level for a very long time because that was the belief I had around that constraint. And it wasn't until I shifted my perspective on it and essentially embraced the constraint and said, now, you know what? This is not going to change. So either I can use this, you know, as an advantage, I can weaponize it, or I can use it as a disadvantage and let it hurt me. And ultimately what that led to was you know, bringing on people that could do some of the work so I could refocus on other higher priority areas. So that involved bringing you on early days as a you know fractional director of client success. That involved bringing on salespeople eventually, et cetera, to take on some of the work because I recognized and I acknowledged that I could not do everything. And if I, if I expected myself to do everything, we wouldn't be able to grow. But that's an example of a, it was a real constraint that I didn't, it wasn't strategic. I guess you could argue it was, right? Because I could have lifted it, but I chose to keep that constraint where it was. Well, I have this conversation with people very often, and I believe that setting constraints around time is actually one of the most critical decisions you can make. Because regardless of your reason, if you even if you don't have a reason, even if you don't need to say, oh, I have these three young kids, I need to be home regardless, right? Parkinson's law tells us the work is going to expand to fill the time that you provide for it. And I know that if I have a deadline to complete something on Friday, I will complete it on Friday. If I have a deadline to complete it on Wednesday, I'll complete it on Wednesday. If I give myself three weeks, I will spend that entire three weeks doing the thing. And so many people come at this from the other direction where they still somehow deep down inside believe that time can be expanded and shifted and somehow warped in a way that's going to serve them. And, you know, under that belief, do things, do too many things too well that they shouldn't be doing, where whether you can afford to or, or plan to hire someone as you did at that point, or whether just putting constraints around yourself makes you that much more efficient and effective. Like that's really the path that ensures that you are focusing on what's going to get you the most bang for your time and energy back. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs who, at, you know, at my stage back then who were, you know, maybe solo or had a small team, they kind of wear their busyness like a badge of honor, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm working 50 hour weeks, 60 hour weeks, this, that, and the other. And, Up and at then, 4 a.m. And then they're proud of themselves and they're proud of the business that they built. But the problem with that is, you know, if you're working those kinds of hours and the business is so dependent on you to work those kinds of hours, which you really built as a house of cards, 
Because as soon as I remove you, the whole thing falls apart. And you're frankly overstating your profits because you might be doing the work of two people and paying yourself a measly salary, right? And, and then are therefore artificially inflating the profitability and sustainability of your business because that's not sustainable. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think it's a little bit of a shift there that makes sense to me is I'm not here to tell anyone how much they should work, right? There are people that are super passionate and love what they do and want to work more because that's what they enjoy doing. And there are people who, you know, have a very specific limit because of whatever their reasons are. And I believe that any of those choices are perfectly good choices. To me, the big difference is agency, right? And control. Because if you're bragging to me that you are working so much because, oh, you're so busy and this is happening to me and this is happening to me, and this other thing came, you know, from left field and that's what I had to react to, that I have, you know, not a ton of, of time for. And, um, you know, that's a person that's getting themselves in trouble. If you are saying, okay, you know what, I chose to do a thing for a period of time and it means, you know, A, B, and C for my schedule and you've, you've grabbed onto that and you've made that decision, whether you're working five hours a week or 60 hours a week, good for you. But I think that the real thing that most people miss is this notion of control and therefore creating your own constraints. Because I don't think it's just constraints about how much you work. Like a bigger issue is what is it that you're working on? And so you could take that same, you know, let's just say 40 hours. You could take that same 40 hours and you could put it towards, you know, feel good, check off the list work, or you could put it towards the things that are really going to grow your business and really add value and really inspire you. And the number of hours, quite frankly, meaningless in that context. The question is, what have you decided to do with your energy? Yeah, it's funny. I had a, I had a call on my calendar today and um, the gentleman rescheduled the call, which is my pet peeve. I mean, if you reschedule a call with me, you're, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're almost dead to me. And the reason for the rescheduling, which I always find kind of comical, urgent client deadline. Mm -hmm. Well, that tells me so much. Yes. That lit er, three words, urgent client deadline. That tells me so much about how your business is structured, mm -hmm. about how you manage your time about how you prioritize your time, about the power balance between you and your clients. This person's a mess, right? And they're, to your point, reacting mm -hmm. to this. The email comes in from a client. This thing goes wrong. They're just reacting nonstop. You know, and I got to wonder, like, I wish, I wish I could just, you know, measure everybody's cortisol levels who are in that position, right? Because that's a stressful life to like, you know, by the day your schedule changes because of a client deadline that you lost control over and that you don't have enough power or influence or agency in the relationship to actually, you know, do something about that's a stressful way to run a business. And I don't think it's sustainable. Not sustainable. And generally speaking, it just gets worse because if that's how you're functioning and that's, if that's how your clients see you, there's going to be another, you know, urgent in air quotes, client deadline, and another and another, because you've developed this reputation as the person who is, you know, not busy enough, you know, not focused enough. Um, and, 
you know, to the extent that you can just drop whatever you're doing and, you know, jump on board to whatever someone else's issue is. Yeah. And so it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And that's a, you know, there's often this belief that, oh, once I get to a certain point, then that will stop. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't figure out how to stop it now, gain control of it now, put some parameters around it now. I mean, neither of us are saying don't be reactive to your clients if they're in crisis. But if you don't get a hold of that now and figure out how you're going to handle it in a way that serves not just you, but your client, then this is the fate that you have set out for yourself. Yeah, that's a really common uh, refrain, right? Oh, when I get here, everything will be better. And, and you know, in some ways it's true, like... Yeah, money does solve some problems. Revenue does solve some problems. We had another conversation with another group. I think it was, it was from a workshop I did this week, if I'm not mistaken. You know, conversations blur in my mind, right? And, and the question I asked to the group, yeah, it was a workshop, was based on the statement by Peter Drucker, where he said the purpose of a business enterprise is to create a customer. Therefore, the business enterprise, and I'm paraphrasing, has two functions, marketing and innovation. And now my interpretation of that, marketing brings in customers, innovation or product delivers on the promises. And the question I asked these folks was, which is the most important process between the two, marketing or innovation? And of course, a room full of consultants, 90% of them answered innovation. Mm -hmm. And then my question was, which one can exist without the other? Can you have a business that has stellar marketing and just average product delivery, innovation? Yeah, you could. I'm not saying it's a good business. I'm not saying you should aspire to build that. But it's possible. Actually, there's plenty of them. On the other hand, could you have a business that has great innovation, great product, great delivery, but no marketing or very poor marketing? Well, that business is at risk because the process by which you bring in clients and revenue is shoddy. And that's the lifeblood of a business. And so the thing about constraints that I wanted to dig into here with you is where should we be placing them? Where, you know, Southwest's example is, you know, interesting, but not relevant, right? Because for most of us consultants, we don't fly planes, right? So, so time is an interesting one, but where should we as consultants and service providers be thinking about placing deliberate constraints in our business and using that as a strategic advantage? What are your thoughts there? So to me, it really starts with the strategy and the big G goal. And too many people kind of go through their day-to-day, week over week, without thinking about that or, or circling back to that. But if you are clear on where it is that you want to go and by when you want to get there and what that looks like, then the constraints start to appear, right? They start to show up. It starts to become clear as to what they should be. So, you know, at a high level, if you decide that you want to just as an oversimplified goal, get to X revenue by Y date, then you can work your way back, figure out what needs to happen. And then you can start building in constraints, for example, around how you use your time. So a best practice that we would generally talk to our, our solopreneur clients about is spend, you know, the equivalent of a day a week on marketing, because we know generally speaking, that that's the amount of time that you need to give yourself to work on your pipeline, to have those sales conversations, to do all the things that you do to bring in the business that you want to have. And so once you know that, then you can start setting very practical constraints, right? Okay, you know what? Monday's marketing day or 
you know, Tuesday morning and Thursday, whatever it is, setting the constraint that ensures that you are taking the steps, that you are doing all of those things that you, you know, whiteboarded for a day to, to get you where you want to go. And one of the biggest powers of constraints, I believe, at least from a, a mindset perspective, is they allow you to make one decision now and not have to make a whole bunch of decisions in the future. So in the example that I just spoke about, if you decide that you're going to spend Tuesday and Thursday morning on marketing, then you block them out of your calendar. No one can book anything with you. You don't have to figure out you know, every Monday morning when you're going to fit in those eight hours. You don't have to explain to people why you have to move a call from, you know, point A to point B. You don't have to do any of those things because you now have a constraint that serves you. And that's probably another important point to make, right? You want to find the constraints that serve you as opposed to the ones that you become a slave to and getting really clear on what that means. And again, grabbing the agency, right? (laughs) Understanding that you have that control. Um, makes a difference. So back to answering your question. I think it's about figuring out your goal, working backwards, and then just asking the question, you know, what constraint is going to encourage, enable, you know, require me to, or my business, because it goes beyond just you and your time, to head in the direction that we want. Well, and I think a, a goal without a constraint is chaos, because you know, a goal without a constraint basically means I'm going to do whatever it humanly takes to achieve the goal, which may or may not be a good thing, right? And so, if you're, you know, if I'm going to set a revenue goal and say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that at all costs with no constraint, right? So I'm going to spend as much time as possible on this. I'm going to work day and night. I'm going to sacrifice sleep, time with loved ones, exercise, nutrition, all these things, right? And then you achieve the goal. I mean, have you really achieved anything? So there's some, you know, some obvious constraints that people are are committing to without even realizing it, like sleeping at night, hopefully, eating food. Like there's some built-in constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the point you're making, which I appreciate, is, you know, be deliberate about which constraints are going to best enable you to sustainably achieve the goal. And as you were saying that, you know, it occurred to me that. If I think about the the Southwest Airlines example, and I don't know, right? But but I, I imagine at one point the question came up in the boardroom. We started with seven three sevens, right? And I imagine at one point the question came up and said, "Well, should we expand our fleet and diversify the types of planes that we're flying?" And I imagine some overpriced management consultant did an analysis and said, "Well, actually, right? You know, what if we what if we make this our strategy to just fly this one plane?" I imagine that that came up organically and then a decision was made and a constraint was placed. And that might be an interesting way to think about this is as things come up in the business, to your point, where can you build in constraints by making the decision once so you can then exert more of your creative energy in solving other types of problems? So an example that comes to mind is target markets. You know, let's say you run a consulting business that does really well in the healthcare space. And then a client comes to you from outside of the healthcare space and you go, well, should we pursue this market? Should we either entertain this deal or strategically pursue this other market in financial services, for example? Well, there's no right or wrong answer, but there's an opportunity to potentially install a constraint and say, no, you know what? We're healthcare people. 
We know healthcare well. We've been in healthcare for decades. Our team has a lot of healthcare expertise. Our network is in healthcare. We like healthcare. Our case studies in healthcare. So we're going to make that a constraint. We only do healthcare. And we're going to refer out others to other people that we know, like, and trust. You know, there's an opportunity. Another one that comes to mind, in addition to time that you mentioned, you know, I think having some constraints around your time, where you spend it, how much you spend makes a lot of sense. I would also add to that, I think everybody needs one of these, is uh, a concentration risk constraint. So how much revenue are you willing to bring in from a single source? You know, this goes back to our warning against will clients, right? If all of your revenue is coming from one source, you obviously have a ton of concentration risk. My rule is 20%. No single client should contribute any more than 20% of your revenue, which means you've got to have at least five clients. That's a constraint I think everyone needs to have. Anything else come to mind for you? I just, just that... I see constraints, it's, it's easy to see them as inconvenience, right? They're the things that make things difficult. But I almost like to think about constraints as insurance, right? They're protection. So they're protecting you, to your point, against concentration risk. They're protecting you from becoming inefficient. They are, you know, protecting you from spending a whole bunch of time and effort in something that's not going to be helpful or, or profitable, right? They protect you from diminishing returns. And so, you know, getting clear on what they are, and this is a process, I mean, you don't figure it out once and set and forget, but getting clear on what they are is really setting not just a structure and not just a decision-making framework, but also protecting you and protecting your business as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting viewpoint. So if you, if you ask yourself, what are the risks that my business faces? And that's going to evolve over time. You know, one risk is I burn out, you know, I have a heart attack. I, you know, whatever, right? Like I work too hard and that's unsustainable. Put constraints around your time. Another risk is we don't bring in enough business. We don't build pipeline. Put constraints around how much time you spend on deliveries. So you can spend excess time on marketing and business development. Another risk is what if we lose a big client? Put constraints around your concentration risk. How much Revenue, are you willing to bring in from a single source? Another risk is we dilute our value proposition. We start doing too many things for too many different types of clients. Put a constraint around your target market, your offer, your proposition, et cetera. Um, and that's going to evolve depending on where you're at in business, right? The, the risks that you face today uh, might be different from the risks you face a year or two years from now. What are the risks today? And Therefore, what are the constraints you can place on yourself and your business today to mitigate those risks? 